You are listening to the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. Visit PencilandPaperProductions.Podbean.com to find more great podcasts. Welcome to the Palace of Megapixels. This is Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo! Welcome to Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. I'm your host, Stephen White. With me is, as always, my co-host, Alicia Finley. Happy Monday! For some reason, my brain wanted to say something else, but I was fighting it because I was like, no, no, no. You keep you keep at it. I don't know where it was going, but I started to trail off. You have your own but, little thing going on. Yeah, but my mouth was actually sticking with it, so I, I applaud it <laughs> for not getting off script. Guys, if you didn't know... Lace's birthday was a few days ago. It was, it was. And if you didn't wish her happy birthday, shame on you. Yeah, what's up, dude? Yeah. Come on. Everybody I'm sure knows. I remembered all of yours. That's right. Every single I one. have a calendar. <laughs> Every single person's birthday. Anybody who's important. <laughs> well, you know, sure. And, sure. and, and if, if I haven't known your birthday up to this point, but I consider you important now, yes. then you're on the calendar. You yeah. see? You see, yeah. that's how that works. I have to. I got rid of the Facebook, so what else is going to remind me? Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to get there eventually, but right now I feel like it's it's. So there's a benefit to it. Man. There's a yeah. benefit to it for at least for now. If at there least. still is for you, then fantastic. I I lacked seeing its usefulness for many years now, and then it t- still took me this long to finally just go. You know what? We're done with this here. So I think well, it was August. Mm-hmm. I, just... I think if if they would allow me to have a messenger account without the Facebook, ah. then then I could probably disassociate because I I can go a long period of time without being on Facebook. I can just kind of set it aside. Mm-hmm. I actually remove the icon from my main screens. That way I'm not tempted. That way I actually have to look for it if I want to go mm-hmm. on there. So I can do it. And in fact, I don't go on there like I used to. Like I started removing sites that I would go to, movie sites and stuff like that. Where and it's always those clickbaity ass headlines. It pisses me yeah. off. Yeah, then like, you click on it, and it really had nothing to do with yeah. it in the first place. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. So I, I stopped following those sites because that that definitely helped because mm-hmm. you'd get suckered into it. And every time I got suckered into it, like I think the time that I was done with it, I think it was comicbookmovie.com are the ones that I was following. I was watching a TV show. Something happened. I was right on Facebook and a headline's like, how did this happen? And I was nope. like, wait a second, this just happened. How the f- <laughs> what the shit? Like they had this ready to go. And yep. then as soon as it happened, bye bye. Well, how did well, this some happen? people get early access to a lot of that stuff, like the media. And things but again, like that. So they probably saw it ahead of time, had an article written. The timing, just for that clickbaity bullshit, because they added nothing. It's like this happened in the show. Why? Who knows? 
And then you got to click through like 23 pictures to try to get to the one thing that you were after anyway. And then it was a letdown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I need to get I need to get rid of it. Social media in general is terrible, but I can't help it. I I keep getting suckered in. In fact, let's talk about that. That's what they're banking on, man. Let's talk about that. Because Twitter. Mm -hmm. Okay, look, I was going to make a big deal about this on Twitter. And then I was like, no, no, I'm going to. I'm going to keep my composure. I'm not going to scream like a little fangirl. Because, <laughs> guys, if you don't know who Greg Sipes is, mm-hmm. he is the voice of Beast Boy in Teen Titans. Uh, he was Michelangelo in one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, iterations. Mm-hmm. He's he's a well-known voice actor, if you're familiar with voice actors, you know, sure. like like that. Uh, dude followed me on Twitter and blew my mind. I was just like, what? 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 Yeah. I was like, why? And I didn't question it. I did (laughs) question it, but I didn't question it publicly. Right, right, right. I was just like, in my head, I was like, why me? Why me? And this this is his legit account, because I've had this happen before where I see somebody followed me, and I'm like, holy crap. That Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. And it then I do doesn't some have digging. the check mark or something. Yeah. And then you're like, oh. And then you're like, page. well, yeah. But no, this is, it's legit. I'm just, I'm still just like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like the one and only famous person <laughs> who follows me on Twitter, but it's cool. I was going to say, I don't know that I do. But I've also turned off those notifications a long time ago mm-hmm. because running in streamer circles, there's always that, uh, let me follow you to get you to see me to hopefully follow me back and then unfollow you back and forth. So I just got rid of the notification when I got a follow. Yeah. And then that way it was like, you guys can go on about your business. However, I'm never going to know. Yeah. <laughs> so just who knows who I've missed over the years. I don't know. Yeah. That follow unfollow follow crap yeah. it's just so i just turned off notifications so you guys could just keep on going i i'm gonna be none the wiser that you decided mm. to keep hitting that button back and forth yeah so there you go i Have mean look fun. i'm i'm all with like i i enjoy the idea of some sort of uh symbiotic relationship with sure. other podcasts where it was like hey you know what do you do well, this is what i do what do you do well, this is what i do and we kind of I don't know. Support one another. Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think it's a great idea. I like it. Uh, but sometimes people don't hold up their end of the bargain. No, I've no. seen that firsthand, Uh-oh. where people are like, "Hey, dude, follow me. Hey, come on, join in." And then it, it just kind of falls flat. It's like I'm doing all the heavy lifting, sharing, saying, "Hey, guys, check these people out." And then they're just like, "I, I just, I don't understand it." I, you yeah, know? I don't, I don't, I don't, you, you were coming to me with all this and then you, you can't do your part of the bargain. You know? Well, that depends on what they were after in the first place. Yeah. And <laughs> clearly it was just that like that. Yeah. Just that, that one, like we've become too obsessed with strangers mm-hmm. loving us and getting that approval. Yeah. I don't want any, if you don't like what we do, then that's that's your prerogative. I don't. I'm not going to take it personally. All content is for everyone. Yeah, I want I want our listeners to be people who genuinely want to listen to us talk mm-hmm. and enjoy listening to our conversations. 
whatever we talk about. I don't care. I just, if they enjoy us, that's all I care about. Right. If you don't, then that's then, fine. There's you know, plenty of other podcasts there are to listen to. Of other podcasts. <laughs> you are Rem- definitely not suffering on a lack of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Re- remember, we're niche by comparison because we're video games, which is it still blows my mind. Like I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did have a few things I wanted to talk about. We we trailed off a little bit. I'm gonna narrow it down a little bit because I did jot down some notes, but uh. Okay, I got to bring this up since this happened. Okay. This weekend. Borat. Oh, did yeah, you yeah, see yeah. the Borat? Of course I did not. Why are you not to watch <laughs> I, Borat? It's a good I movie. I don't go for his shtick. But, I mean, I've heard enough of the Twitter mumble, blah, 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 about certain scenes or whatever in it. But I just, I don't enjoy the character personally. So it is not one. I'm not the audience for it. But... but. It, it's it's satire. Yes, and it, you know. Uh, I, I I at least get the the idea behind it. It's yeah. just again not not entertainment that I enjoy personally. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, I probably laughed out loud several times more than I have in a long time watching yeah, a well, good. comedy mm-hmm. because there were just things in it that. I don't know why it was funny, but it just like it it struck a nerve and made mm-hmm. me laugh. There was one very cringe-worthy scene. Only one, huh? I mean, in the sense that like you, when it was getting set up, you're like, "Oh my, no they're not." No, they're not. And then it gets there and you're like, "Oh jeez. Oh god." But as it played out, I found myself laughing harder and harder because i was really shocked they went there Mm -hmm. but i appreciated it all the same so i i've read several reviews for the movie it's been mixed Mm -hmm. i think it just depends on what you were hoping for or expecting maybe which is really odd um if you were just looking for more of the same shtick there is some of that, but I felt like there was a natural progression for the character in a way, especially adding in the daughter, <clears throat> like his daughter, mm-hmm. because in the first movie is like all about the men that are better than women. And, you know, and now he has to approach that because now he has to deal with it mm-hmm. and he has to face it. And there's character growth for a character like that. And okay. it's it's really yeah. interesting. So... I enjoyed it. I, I couldn't tell you which one I liked more because it's been a while since I've seen the, the first one, but I remember mm-hmm. enjoying it and laughing, you know, just as, as much. I enjoyed this one. I appreciated what it did. And I also find it... I don't know if I... I just... It, it's amazing what he can entire incite out of people because mm-hmm. he went to Trump rallies. Yeah. And then you just see these people going right along and you just i just want to understand what's in their heads like i'm sure you've seen in trailers where he's living with two guys because of covid right and they have conversations and their their thought process about democrats and how evil they are and what they're up to and what they've been trying to do like apparently hillary clinton drinks the blood of children 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. What? what do you? Wh- I don't I, understand it. I can't wrap my head around the thought process to make you say, you know what? That's legit. I, I I can't understand that either. Honestly, I think I've 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 tried to wrap my my head around it for the longest time, and I bet you they try to wrap their brain around how we think the way that we think too. So I'm sure there's that block going like I can't understand, and I. <laughs> But, I mean, it probably has a lot to do with upbringing. I think mm-hmm. social media plays a big play into it, too, because it serves you up what you're searching for most often than anything. Mm-hmm. So in your worldview, this is the news that's going around a lot. Like, you can't understand why other people aren't seeing all of this stuff. Well, what you don't know is the algorithm isn't serving that up to everybody. So when we are like, how in the world have they not heard about this piece of information? They may actually legitimately have not. Because the algorithms are not serving them that up, you know. That's true. And the way that you search for news makes a big deal about it, too. Do you search for it for the answer you're wanting? Or do you search to learn what's actually going on? And then you can get stuck in that loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I personally want facts. I don't care whether it serves my interests or not. Just tell me the truth. Just just shoot me straight. Right. You know, even even in times where... I don't care. This is people. If you don't realize by now, we're not Trump supporters. Too bad. I don't nope. want you here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> not even a little but bit. If Trump does something that could actually be beneficial to the United States, mm-hmm. which is rare. Right. Yeah. But in the times that it has happened, I I'm, I can't sit there and be like, well, there's a conspiracy behind it because it's Trump. I'm just like, okay, good. Finally, you've done something good. Unfortunately, though, they have built up this whole idea where it's hard for me to trust anything that just comes out of it, period, whether it's good or bad. That's Mm -hmm. just an unfortunate um, relationship that they've built with us at this point. Yeah, I, uh, I understand. I try to not let my own confirmation biases get in the way when, if it is in fact a piece about something that he might have done well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do admit, unfortunately, my brain goes, mm, really though? You know, it's just, I'm conditioned now to like, I got to look at this from a many different angles now before I trust it even a little bit. And that's, that's understandable. I, I, tr- I try to at least take those little things as, as much of a win as it can be. I'm right. just like, huh, okay. I good. want to believe it. Yeah, but <laughs> we've seen it time and again being right the opposite. Right. So, but yeah, I, I enjoyed Borat. If, if that's your cup of tea, exactly. I would recommend yeah. it. Uh, I think it's hilarious, but uh, that's, just, that's just my opinion. Hey, I've always <laughs> said, if everybody liked the same thing, mm. world would be pretty darn dull. And the last thing I want to bring up before we get into our usual stick, because this is how we're doing things now. This you is should just be, how it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got onto a kick over the last two weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Universal monster movies, the old 1930s, oh, 1940s, yeah. and 50s. I, I didn't realize there was like a 20-year span of these movies, but there it, it did stretch for a while. Because yeah. Dracula came out in 1931, maybe? Was that Sounds the silent like. one? No, that was uh, Bella Lugosi. Oh, okay. I think I think thirty one. I'm probably might... thinking of Nosferatu anyway. Yeah, Disregard. that was uh, okay. twenty one. Yeah, I'm I was gonna mistaken. say that. Okay, that's the one I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. But 
that came out like early 30s, 31, like I said, if I'm not mistaken. And then we go to The Creature from the Black Lagoon and those films. I didn't realize there were three. Did you oh, yeah, realize no. there were three? Not at all, no. No, but they lasted until like the 50, like, toward the end of the 50s. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's a good 20-year span. Yeah. And obviously there are different monsters, you know, scattered about, but... Yeah, three Creature from the Black Lagoon movies. You had The Creature from the Black Lagoon, Revenge of the Creature, and then The Creature Walks Among Us. Now, I haven't seen the last one, but apparently they made him go from being a water monster to a land monster. <laughs> I guess He evolved. For, yeah, for budgetary concerns, maybe. I don't know. But I, I, I would be fascinated to check it out anyway. But mm. fun fact about Revenge of the Creature... Is that was Clint Eastwood's very first acting role. Ah. And he is a scientist of all things. Oh, Would wow. Would never guess. Right. But yeah. he's just, he has a little cameo part where he's just like, Doc, can you come over here for a second? And then the doctor, the main doctor comes over, has a conversation with him about an experiment they're doing. And then it's like a two, three minute scene. But his oh. little fresh face, little, you know. Little baby face. Yeah. Little baby Clint. But, <laughs> Yeah, I just got I got to see that the other day because I'd always heard that that was his first movie, but I didn't know to what extent. Sure. I thought maybe it was just like a little cameo. He's standing off in the background or something like that. I'm like, oh, look, it's Clint Eastwood. And right. That's it. But no, he actually had a legit speaking part. And I was oh, like, wow. Oh, okay. Good for him for a first one then, too, to get a speaking part <clears throat> yeah. that long. Mm-hmm. Well done. But yeah, I've just I've kind of went back. I've been in this kick of wanting to watch old movies and mm-hmm. I don't know what's triggering it. It's it's almost like I'm just finding some odd comfort in them. Yeah. Even though they can be misogynistic at times. <laughs> well, again, I we could take into account the times, whether it was right or wrong. It was still yeah. more widely accepted as a, as a way of thought. But there seems to be some sort of uh, pattern to these movies is because when they get to a certain point, they, they have this female lead who is almost presented as being a strong female lead. Like, from Revenge of the Creature, for example, the the main character is a scientist, and the female lead is... I think she's also a scientist, too, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember all her details. But she's she comes in because she's wanting to try and, you know, be a part of the study of the creature. And it's, it's, it's like it... You're meant to take her seriously. And then there's that one scene where it's just like it takes her down a peg. And you're like, why are you doing this? Because there was She can't be the one to save the day now. Yeah. She has to be the damsel in distress. Well, you know, like Mm -hmm. even throughout history, we always like laid the groundwork. And then, oh, wait, that's not just a a, a female-only job. Well, let's just take it over then. Okay, cool. Thanks for your help. Oh, well, not even that, really. Mm -hmm. Just, we'll just mention that there might have been a female in the room we won't say your name or anything like that (laughs) but but there was a scene in that movie that like i was waiting for it too like anytime there would be something going on where they were talking to the woman because there was even like a news reporter guy and it's that guy who's talking like this let me tell you something here we're looking at the creature oh you're in you know you're you're supposed to be an expert what do you think and you're waiting for that moment where he's like as a woman Right. <laughs> Something like that. It's like, what does your husband think about this situation? Right. <laughs> but later on, you have the main char- the two main characters, 
sitting on a beach because, you know, they have to fall in love for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And they're talking about their careers. And she's like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what to do. But there's also that pressure of getting married and having children. Yep. And he's like, is that what you want? And she's like, well, I don't know. It's kind of expected, isn't it? And I'm just like, is it? But I guess at the time, yeah, probably no, totally. was. Yeah. And, and his line <laughs> was, well, who's to say? I'm no expert. I don't know. And he's like, but you should have an opinion here. Do you think this is right or not? Is it, yeah. Should this be expected of her or not? I, I actually would have expected him to be like, oh, I guess you're right. And then, you know, slow pan off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised that it didn't come down to, well, you are a woman. Right. And then just leave it at that. But it was just like they, they laid this little middle ground teeter totter where he's mm-hmm. like, who am I to say? <laughs> It's like maybe that's can. supposed to be the spooky ending and all the men at home were just, <gasps> you know, I can't believe they left it open to interpretation. No, <laughs> don't put that in her head. Mm-hmm. My wife is watching. It's <laughs> like, honey, I'm going to go get a job. Right. <laughs> what brought this on? That movie. I want to do lace for my dress. <laughs> but it's. But yeah, I've just I've found some odd comfort in these movies, and uh, obviously at the the most convenient time, being Halloween and all that. But sure, I don't know. Yeah. It's just the old grainy time capsules as they were. Mm. I don't know. It's just been odd. Well, it's a nice history to see how it started to what it it's is. ended up till now. It's just mm-hmm. kind of crazy to think about. In fact, I was even thinking about that the other day. We were watching some TV shows are actually coming back now. And mm. they are approaching the COVID situation. Borat yeah. did it. Think about that for a moment. These will be time capsules. Oh, for sure. Because hopefully, say in 50 years, the COVID will be eradicated. Or hopefully. at least under control. Well under control. Yeah. But I, would, I would hope eradication since, you know, we have the technology to do so. Sure. But. For, pe- for people who didn't live through it or, or, you know, it's far removed. Because think about that. There's an entire generation that doesn't even know about 9-11 at this point. Sure. Like, they weren't well, there. Well, think about it. Even us looking at pictures from, like, when the Spanish flu was going around. Yeah. You know? Like, mm-hmm. we're looking at that going, wow, seeing some of the similarities and how we're trying to approach it to keep it down and all of this kind of stuff. And you would mm-hmm. think now we'd be <laughs> yeah, you think. better at it. But, you know. But... <laughs> These people will will be able to look back on these TV shows that are approaching it and looking at it and discussing it openly and mm-hmm. be like, wow, was this? And it's like, yeah, this this actually happened. This is not this a is joke. This what was going on, yeah. You know? So they're, they're this approaching This was not it just too. some through line that every TV show and movie wanted to approach in the year 2020. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we were going through. I mean, in all honesty, I could, I could do without it in my TV shows, but I do understand I, I get it in the in the ones that are like you know this is just another day. family life and it's current mm-hmm. right you know it almost seemed kind of weird to not address it but we're in the middle of it yeah like the to one me, it would seem weird not to the one show that um specifically i think is doing the appropriate approach to it would be the connors i actually just watched that the other night they're and the first one i saw that 100 percent was talking about it but of course nothing new's really been coming back like it on a regular schedule like it would have but right but their approach to it i mean you we're seeing it from 
these are the the people that they're always That's, talking about on the news. We're like, this is why the, the families mm-hmm. need the stimulus package. This is what they're having to deal with. Right. And then everybody else is like, ah, that's not affecting me. Yeah, it's, it might not be affecting you, but it is affecting people this like This is them. what's going on, right. Yeah. yeah. So just because it doesn't affect you right, doesn't mean anything. You're Not everyone is the same. I mean, there are people out there right now. We have, I hate to bring this up, but the, there is a guy, to my knowledge, still there, like in town. There's a guy that lives up under our bridge in town. Mm-hmm. Like homeless guy. And I've always been curious how he survived under there. I don't know what I could do for him. I know people give him food and things like that, but sure. like what how do you help someone like that, you know? Like how do they survive for that matter? Yeah. I mean it's, they 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 probably wonder that night to night themselves. Hmm. But, I mean, at the same time, he's probably the most lucky person because he doesn't have to be around anybody. So, well, COVID's passing him by. <laughs> I guess you're lucky, too, that maybe you guys don't get super cold there or whatever. That That's always the issue here is, you know, once it starts getting super cold and warming centers and things like that that they would normally stay at and trying mm-hmm. to keep distancing and all that kind of stuff in those kind of situations is where it becomes more of a challenge. Yeah. Oh, it gets, it can get, it can get cold. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. It can get very, very cold. And I hate it when it does because cold weather sucks. It really does. It really mm. does. <laughs> but yet you live right in it. Oh my God. I don't know why. I, yeah, uh, I don't understand my life choices most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what you been playing? Let's see here. Uh, I, I have I putzed around with Slay the Spire, of course. Um, but I did get uh, two new games for my birthday. Well, Ooh. one of them was the uh, last expansion or DLC for Frostpunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I gave that one go. And I almost actually, I think, got it with a good ending. But then I, I, I made a decision at the last minute that I was like flipping back and forth on. And I think it was the wrong one because um, we were doing so well. Until I made that choice for us all, and they were not pleased. Um, and then I also got uh, Black Sad Under the Skin, which is a adventure game. It, uh, I think it was based off of a Spanish comic book series called Black Sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm not familiar with it. I just knew that when I was watching the trailer that I thought the story looked fun. And it's that gameplay that I enjoy where it's kind of like a choose your kind of like a choose your own adventure. You get to make choices and then they remember those specific choices, which will affect interactions later on down the line. I only mm, maybe an hour or so under my belt, but you're at the whole world. Everyone's animals. Mm hmm. And so the character you're playing is a PI investigator who's a cat, you know, okay. <laughs> and they, they all talk, stand up, do everything just like, you know, people would in this situation. Um, but my only my only criticism so far is I'm watching the scene last night and he's on the phone. Now he's got his ears up here mm-hmm. like a cat's ears would be, but he's holding the phone like a human where that ear would be. And the whole time he's on the phone, I'm like, dude, how is he hearing any of that? He I mean, yeah. I like, see. it should have just been this adjustment. So mm-hmm. it could have been in the ear, and I would have appreciated it. But no, no. 
So, so far, my only criticism and the controls for PC are kind of bleh. I think mm. it was, it says it was meant to be used with a controller and I could tell that because the controls are very bleh. <laughs> Trying to move the character <laughs> around, you know, with the, the mouse and keyboard. Well, you're not even really using the mouse. It's all 100% keyboard, but I think I like the story. I think it'll be cute. So when I get through all of that, but uh, yeah, so I finally branched out this week from Fallout Shelter and Slay the Spire and. I'm going to have to do another crack at the Frostbunk one because I know everyone. This one got mixed reviews for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. this last one. And I don't usually take a lot of stock in that, you know, if it's something I've enjoyed, who cares, you know. Um, Most people were saying it seemed like it was easier because of the setup. And yeah, I guess I could agree with that to an extent. Like, I felt like I wasn't suffering as early on as I had been in the other scenarios that they've presented up until now. Um but I wouldn't say it was like a cakewalk, yeah. but maybe I'm um, just a peg below the average player when it comes to those types of games. I don't know. It's how life is. Yeah. Can't, can't be good at all the things. So <laughs> <laughs> I still enjoy it. I'll torture myself with it anyway. But uh, but yeah, they're cute. And uh, Black Sad, I could see it having a uh, replayability value because even one of the very first decisions you make seem kind of like a big one. Mm-hmm. So whether this person was going to be a complication throughout or more of a helpful thing, even if I feel like feeding information to the weekly news and I didn't even understand what that was. I just picked up the phone and started calling everyone to let me call. And then <laughs> I just chose one answer and he started spilling the beans. I'm like, oh no, I don't know if on this playthrough I wanted to be like that. Ah, well, I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> totally busted them out but i probably just made things worse for myself (laughs) we'll see we'll see yeah we'll see (laughs) let me know how that goes i'll let you know because i wanted like the first playthrough in most games i don't know why i always feel like i should try to do the good playthrough or how it presents itself like in my head i've got it like this is the right way to play even Mm. though there really isn't whichever way you want to play is the right way to play um Oh, I guess that's not totally true. Sometimes there's the real ending if you chose the right things, you know. Um, But I always feel like my first playthrough, that's what I intend to do. And that I always seem to choose one thing that feels like it could have gone either way. Mm -hmm. Or it sounded like the right answer. And then how they articulate it after the fact is like, well, wait a minute. That's not actually what I wanted to do for my role play in this game or in this playthrough. Mm Mm-hmm. So my first one's always a hodgepodge mess, I think. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, those those games like that, like the one that comes to mind most often for me is Infamous. Mm. Like, I always go the hero route, and I always think, I should try going the, the villain route, just, just to see. And I... It's like I can't bring myself to do it. What is that? Yeah. Like, I don't it's know why. just, it's all a fake scenario. It's all coding. Yeah. Why do I feel guilty that I made this decision? Yeah. I guess because it's just not in our nature. I guess to not, be destructive. Yeah. You know, we want to help. We want to be. It sounds fun and you want to go yeah. it. And then when you're presented with the choice in the moment, you're like, damn it, come on, just do it. You've seen the good ending already. Just mm-hmm. go. <laughs> you can do it. I swear. It'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, weird. I'll let you know how how it how it shapes up. All right, <laughs> I'm sure I'll get to uh, the rest of it this week. But what yeah. have you been playing? Breath of the Wild. Breath I'm of the Wild. still obsessed. I don't really know what more I can say about it at this point that adds to 
what I've been enjoying out of it. Mm-hmm. I've just I've filled out my map so I can see everything. There you go. Um, I've gotten a lot of hearts. I've gotten a lot of stamina. Uh, I got my master sword, so there I've got go. that thing going for me now. And, yeah. Um, I guess I just I need to focus in on something because I know I have three other. Uh, what are they called? The big things, the things that you, we need, and the the uh, the Triforce. The, no, the uh, the the guardians, the divine beasts. That's what oh, they are. Okay. So you've got to uh, you got to free the divine beasts from their curse or whatever is going on with them. And I've already helped one, and I think mm-hmm. maybe I'd done that last week already. But I've got three more. I've seen. I've encountered the areas where at least two of them are. The third, I really can't get to because it's really hot. <laughs> ah, you know, need like some new gear to cool you off or something. Yeah, well, either that or prevent me from spontaneously combusting. Because when I got up on that volcano, I caught fire, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Okay, yeah, I've got to get out of here. No, so <laughs> you know, volcanoes are hot. In yeah. case you didn't know, uh, so I'm trying to figure out what approach I kind of want to go. To the to the volcano. I don't know why I'm I'm eager to go up that way versus going the other. Way. I guess it's because I can't get up there is why it's mm-hmm. seeming so much more enticing. It's like you know what I just there's got to be a way though, right? Or they oh yeah put yeah, yeah yeah. I have yeah. I'm sure I can just like take some. I'm sure I could find some armor eventually. I'm mm-hmm. sure I could drink some food. You know, cooling off effects or whatever. I'm sure I could do. A number of things. I just have to do it. Right. And I just, I don't know if I have what I need to survive it, but fingers crossed. But I, it, I think. Keep it pinned on the map. Like yeah. We, I will be back. I think, I honestly feel like it's because it feels forbidden right now is why I want to go there. Because I've explored the other areas, not to an insane degree, but enough that I'm like, okay, I got a feel for this area. I'll come back. Uh-huh. But that's the one that I've I've set foot into barely. And it was like, I got to get out of here because I'm not prepared. So now it's just like, I want to go back. I want to go back. Just want to see. At least you're being good and not looking it up. No. You know, and but spoiled it for yourself. I just have to. You probably could have had it already. Mm-hmm. I just have to put it in my head. It's like, how am I going to approach this? Just try, try this, try that. If it works, great. If it doesn't, then just keep keep at it. Mm-hmm. We'll find, there's got to be a way. So I just got to. I, I have I faith. You'll out. figure it out, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's where I've spent a lot of my time. And Todd's not been really happy because, um, well, obviously, one, he doesn't like the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. But two, and I, I haven't mentioned this yet, as he uh, lent me Ghost of Tsushima, which oh, I am yeah. excited to play, but I'm I'm so deep. Gotcha. So wild. he's like, dude, will you just play yeah. the the Ghost of Tsushima? So yeah, because yeah. he's like, dude, do what, do, what are you doing? And I was like, you, it's it's about the same. And I was like, well, then good. So I know what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, give me a minute. Yeah, just let give me finish this, and I'll get to that. Right. Yeah. You so. playing it right now, buddy? No. All right. I love that I say that. It's not even my game. Yeah. You playing it right now. <laughs> So what you got for us in the news department? Ah, we got a we got a little bit of news to go over here. Uh, seems like one of the biggest things that I saw going around is we got some uh, fresh new DMCA strikes that have been going around again. It seems uh, Twitch streamers this week uh, received a lot of takedown notices, and uh, 
it's been having to put a crackdown on things and put the onus completely on the creators, which to be fair, always was on the creators anyway, you know, like they, they weren't going to be by your side or Twitch go to court for you or anything like that. But uh, Twitch themselves, though, sent out emails this week to a lot of creators, both large and some small, informing them that Twitch went ahead and deleted content, which they found violated music music copyright laws after receiving, and I quote, a sudden influx of DMCA takedown requests back in June, mm-hmm. apparently. So it warned users of the platform that we're writing to inform you that your channel was subject to one or more of these DMCA takedown notifications and that the content identified has been deleted. So they went ahead and did it for you. Mm-hmm. Now, Alrighty. of course, concern grew once again since Twitch hasn't implemented a tool that helps streamers yet quickly identify the offending content and it being issued to streamers who have been on the platform for many years. Mm-hmm. That it seems like a tall ask to go to a streamer to tell them, hey, you've just got to go through all of your stuff, find it, and delete it, right? So there's been a lot of larger streamers just kind of going on like, guess what? I guess we're just going to nuke it all and find like there's been some tools that, you know, they have created themselves to be able to go through and mass delete clips and things of that nature. Um, But yeah, I mean, Twitch wanting to keep it safe harbor status, they have to let you know. But the weird part of it was when this email, it never said what content got a DMCA strike. And to my knowledge, they have to let you know. So there has been speculation that this is uh, Twitch making it an issue and trying to get you to take care of it before it becomes an issue since it went out in such a big that. But again, I have nothing to back this up. And I, I've already seen a lot of streamers kind of address it, too, where they're like, I don't have proof, mm-hmm. but I have evidence of because of X, Y, Z reasons why usually these things come to be and how they're usually taken care of. So here we go again, guys. And uh, this time it seems like it's going to be more serious than it was the last time. Um, I, a lot of people came out with how ridiculous it just is that there still isn't these tools on Twitch for creators to be able to use, to be able to try to find these things a little bit better. Now, whether that's, you know, supposed to be Twitch's fault or responsibility, you know, that's something to debate, but, um, yeah, so we're not really sure if this is somebody who actually got a bunch of DMCA takedowns or them trying to get ahead of it or them trying to force you into using the new Amazon Twitch music that they've got, you know, going out. So um, I would just imagine at this point moving forward, since it seems like these companies are very much aware of these live content streams going on now, if you're a rhythm streamer, if so Just Dance or Beat Saber or if you play GTA 5 roleplay and leave the, the radio on, that you're probably going to have a bad time moving forward is it's hopefully that's not what all of your content is completely based around. It's ludicrous, especially if the music is in the game. Well, see, that's been the argument because like the game company itself buys the license for them to use it in the game. Mm-hmm. there's no license that says that we can redistribute this in any way. And in fact, actually going into my next story, kind of piggybacking off of that, um, 
that's exactly what they were talking about was just even streaming video games technically. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. That's technically not allowed either. Like those little pop-ups that come up that they want you to agree to their terms and service real fast that nobody ever reads. And you'll even see it on Steam and everything. It says on there that you're buying a license to play the game, not redistribute, not stream, not, you know, do any of these things with. Um, That got kicked up this week because uh, we had Google Stadia Montreal's creative director speak out about how he thought streamers should be paying publishers for the right to live stream their games. Now, this is something that's kind of been a back and forth for a while. Um, I believe it was maybe we've talked about this on the podcast, but it could have just been private conversation too. But technically, you're violating the law as well. So was I when I was streaming these video games. But publishers and devs have looked the other way because it was still kind of a mutual benefit for both involved. Mm-hmm. Um, all those little notices that you click through, like we say, when you're downloading in a hurry, it does contain that those laws do exist. Now, Alex Hutchinson is the uh, creative director there at Montreal uh, Google Stadia. He shared a view via Twitter that expresses just that, that a streamer should be paying a portion of their revenue to game publishers for making money using their content. Now, of course, the gaming community at large came out in full force to this comment, which caused Stadia to trend. And the United States. <laughs> For the first time ever. <laughs> I know, right? Like, we have to keep that in mind. Although I do have to say, Gathalian's tweet made me smile the most in response. And I quote his tweet. A lot of people quote tweeting this hot take about how streamers should need a license from publishers to stream their games. I think we should be more concerned that anyone that works at Google Stadia is giving business advice. Oh. <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> Now, as uh, most professionals in the field came out in defense of streamers, stating that in most cases, the developers do benefit, depending on the type that a game it is. For example, Among Us mm-hmm. gained its popularity due to it being streamed and raising awareness of its existence. Um, fall, Fallout. Fall Guys. Or, fall Guys. Why was I saying Fallout? Fall Guys. You know, things of that nature. So... I would imagine it's probably more of a double-edged sword if you're a very story-heavy game. Mm-hmm. I could see in those cases, if people are watching it from start to end, they're probably not going to purchase the game. But like a lot of these multiplayer games, it does bring awareness to it. And if they're fun, people are going to want to buy them, jump in, and play the game themselves. Right. Uh, so, But Google did come out and kind of denounce uh, Alex's hot take almost immediately saying his view doesn't reflect that of Stadia's proper. Um, But it does kind of bring to the forefront this whole conversation. Should be games sold alongside with a license to stream it? Should streamers have to buy a license separately so that they're within the full frame of the law for what they're doing? Um, Is it now time for publishers to start just adding that it's okay to stream so that content creators can be right with the law? I mean, only time will tell. Let me know what you guys think. I mean, is this something that is fair? Should maybe games these days come with that verbiage, knowing that it could be streamed if the publishers are actually okay with this? Put that blurb in there so that these content creators have a leg to stand on. Uh, it's an interesting topic. and I think, from my perspective, it should be left up to the developers, the publishers, 
if you don't want people streaming your games, then you do whatever you feel comfortable doing right. about it. Because you're still within the law for it. However, keep in mind, and I honestly feel like they would be okay with it because we have seen it firsthand. Indie devs will beg, not desperately not beg, beg yeah. but yeah. they would want people to see their game. They would mm -hmm. love you to stream their game because right. then you're putting eyes on it. Mm-hmm. And then the viewer sees this game. I know that I purchased a game that you streamed at one point because I was like, holy crap, that looks like a game I would love to play. What is this? I didn't know what it was. I looked it up, found it, boom, I bought it because yeah. I saw you playing it and it seemed like my kind of game. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. This is that symbiotic relationship that they're not thinking about just because they're Google or Stadia or whatever the hell you want to Well, be. we got to be specific. Just Alex Hutchinson's okay, view. Well, Alex Hutchinson. <laughs> Stadia wanted to let people know we're okay with you streaming the games. But he's he doesn't seem to realize how that benefits, especially the indie devs. Okay? Mm -hmm. Especially the indie devs. These streamers. I would love to know how many developers indie devs have succeeded because of streaming right have have their game get seen because somebody was streaming it they had a good audience people got interested and there were sales because of that stream it's it happens we know it happens absolutely i mean i even think i read that among us was about to just wrap it up because mm -hmm. it actually has been out for several years I now, heard that, and it, yeah. for some reason it just seemed to start take hold of interest with specific people over the last several months and then larger streamers started playing it and bam now mm -hmm. they're back up and and supporting it full force again you know so um and then of course you got the argument of whether is it the developers that are benefiting or the publishers and you know that's a whole other nuanced conversation but um yeah, I honestly believe if it had been that big of a problem, developers and publishers would have gone after these content creators long, long, long ago. Yeah. I've been given keys asking me to stream games. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's it's one of those that it's, it's, it's a tough one to get on board with. But so far, it's beneficial it's been mutually beneficial you know the content creator will get a free game hopefully they're putting exposure to it the developer plus slash publisher hopefully makes more money off of that because you've rose awareness from it i don't know it might just be high time that they have to start explicitly putting it in their terms and conditions that it's okay to stream yeah we're probably just getting to that point now where we're going to have to be very specific with these laws because we've all been waiting and waters that haven't really been attended to for all this time. And I mean, shoot, we're still working off these laws from like 1998. Does that reflect the internet today even a little bit? No. no. So, I mean, it's high time we <laughs> we start visiting some of these things and start making them more current for today's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the last little bit of Twitch news, and just going to mention this briefly, uh, AOC was streaming on Twitch last week. Uh, I know mm -hmm. we don't do politics, but as a quick mention, we had AOC playing Among Us 
again, as we were talking about on Twitch this week, garnering over 400,000 views on her Twitch alone and played alongside large Twitch personalities like Pokimane, Dr. Lupo, Hassan, and more. It came with its own little uh, controversy, of course, after the fact, but that's a whole other topic that has nothing to do with gaming. So you can look that up if you like. (laughs) So we don't deviate into huge politics here. Um, But we mentioned it because it's now become one of the largest viewed Twitch streams. Um, Still just under ninjas playing with uh, Drake at like 600 and something thousand. So... It's, there you go. She broke some records. Not not to get into politics, but I would say I do agree with uh, one sentiment that I did hear that this is actually kind of a smart move for politicians. Oh, yeah. To, it's starting to actually go to where the younger people are. And and this is like straight Imagine interaction that. with them at that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're not only playing a game that they're interested in, but you can have a conversation with them one-on-one. Especially right now where you can't go right. out and campaign. Why not do it in a comfortable setting for them? You right. know, they don't want to go out to convention halls, even if COVID wasn't going on. They don't the younger go ones were always the harder ones to yeah. grab. So yeah. this is a great way to just mm-hmm. say, hey, look, I'm enjoying a video game too. You enjoy video games. Let's talk. You know, right. don't don't shove politics down their throat. Have a conversation with them. You know, mm-hmm. let them ask you I a peeped question. in for a while. They were still just having fun BS yeah. conversations with each other. It wasn't 100% politics the whole time. But yeah, the whole point was to hopefully get out the message to vote but think to of, that age group. And But, but think about that. It, it, it humanizes the politician. Yeah. You know, if you don't feel like you have anything to relate to, they're sitting there playing a video game, having a conversation with you. And it, like you said, doesn't have to be politics the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could find common ground and be like, I like this person. Boom. Right. You've already got a voter right there. Yeah. So, hey, I say it's always a good thing. And I think, I don't know, I think when you start seeing more younger people getting into politics, we'll start seeing more fun things like this. I want to see Bernie Sanders playing Fall Guys because <laughs> we have that. to stop all these kids playing these games the way they're playing it. Cheating, like the corrupt politicians in Congress. And I know the cheaters are only 1%. They are. that 1%. (laughs) I love Bernie. I'm sorry. (laughs) I do, too. No, it's definitely, like, I honestly kind of wish he would have won so we could have had more, like, Bernie Sanders spoofs on SNL, but whatever. Whatever. (laughs) I I would have been curious to see how those uh, debates would have went. Yeah. Just because Uh. Biden and, and... uh bernie are not oh god they're yeah like they're not personalities are so different (laughs) like Uh, in another timeline (laughs) yeah in another timeline maybe well let's see facebook finally did it for me anyway all right as another part of the series that facebook is trash let me add another one to it for you so if you who, like me, decided to delete Facebook because the reality is that it's just turned into a propaganda garbage and ruined your view of some of your friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe that's me. Maybe that's you. I don't know. Or you just got rid of it because you got tired of their antics. If you have an Oculus headset and delete your Facebook, you will lose access to the games you already purchased. Yeah. So now I can safely say they have turned my headset into a decorative piece hanging on my wall. Um, But as they stated before, that you have a certain period of time to get a Facebook or to connect your old Oculus account to your Facebook by a certain time or you'll lose access to the Oculus store. Well, with the Oculus 
Quest 2, you are required to link these. And if your Facebook isn't in good standing, you will not be able to use the Quest 2 at all. I'm not even sure how this is legal, mind you. Garbage is what that is. So because of this, you have to keep your Facebook account to gain access to the games you have already purchased. So if you still have an older device, they are saying for now anyway that you still have till 2023 and then all users will need to have a Facebook. I kind of hope they go down just like in a blaze of fire for this. Mm. I mean, I deactivating it won't trick the system either, just so you know. But just keep in mind, deleting, there isn't an undo button except for the 30 days that Facebook gives you because I think you'll regret your decision and they want to give you a month to like, because I thought that was hilarious when that popped up for me. We're still going to give you like a month to change your mind. I'm like, oh, well, that's sweet. Yeah, up yours. <laughs> so just keep that in mind, people. If you have your eye on the Quest 2 and despise having a Facebook account, one can't come without the other at this point. So GG, have fun. Uh, let's see. Oh, my God. EA again, too. Ugh. But this time, it wasn't the United States. It was a Canada. Canada's filing a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit, mind you, over its use of loot boxes in-game. Uh Apparently, according to the suit, through this suit, Canadian consumers seek to hold the defendants accountable for this unlawful conduct and to recover their losses. Uh, It was filed on behalf of two plaintiffs who had purchased loot boxes in EA's Madden, NFL, and NHL games. And it covers a wide variety of games released after 2008. And they bullet pointed a lot of games. So included in this lawsuit are... Madden NFL from 2010 through 21, NHL 2011 through 21, NBA Live 14 through 19, UFC 2 and 3, Apex Legends, Battlefield 4, Battlefield Hardline, Battlefield 1. These are all the games included in this suit, y'all. Dragon Age Inquisition, which I still need to look up because I can't think of the life of me what, any outside of like DLCs and stuff. But Maybe. Mass Effect 3, Andromeda, Need for Speed, Plants vs. Zombies, Star Wars The Old Republic. I could go on. There's like seven new, seven more on there. And of course, The Sims Mobile. I'll put that on because The Sims has been egregious for that for a mm-hmm. long time. But oddly enough... Star Wars Battlefront 2 was not on the list, which to my recollection was kind of what started this whole thing coming out into the news in the first place. But that's where we are right now. The suit has been filed on behalf of Canada itself. The country is going, "Eh, eh, enough, you're in violation of our gambling laws. And to be fair, I don't know what Canadian gambling law is, but they're going after EA for it. So I'll keep an eye on that space and see how it fares under Canadian law. Well, good Canadians. Hopefully you get rid of it, man. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Um, And this time, and this, we have more ads in games, but this time it actually wasn't EA. Another apology tour came out this week for unskippable ads by 2K Games. Well, they're just as bad. (laughs) And anymore, right? Uh, Let's see. They issued their statement addressing the bad press surrounding NBA 2K's unskippable ads, which play before episodes of the in-game 2K TV episodes. The publisher said that the ads weren't the problem, though. Just the way that they implemented them was kind of, you know, bad. So they're not saying they did a bad thing with the ads. They're just saying maybe we shouldn't have done it in the way we did it. But... 
their 2K TV ad placement impacted their players' experiences in a way that they didn't intend to do, as they always Bullshit. say. As the, I know, right? <laughs> But they, of course, thank you for your continued feedback. So apparently the ads show up during a loading, uh, but the the fact remains that people are just pissed that they're still getting game or ads in full-priced games. So didn't, this, didn't the EA controversy happen several months ago? Or has it I just like, felt like oh. I, it, oh, I think it's just a continuous. But yes, EA was maybe last month. So I don't even feel like it's been a couple of months for the one with uh the the fighting games, yeah, the UFC the, games. So yeah. 2K was well aware there was mm-hmm. backlash. They knew that was going to happen, and they did it anyway. You can't sit there and feign ignorance because yep. you're like, I just we just didn't know. Bullshit! You saw what happened when EA did it. You're doing Unless the same thing. Unless you guys thing. are just not paying attention to anything outside of your own purview, and but that's like, one hell of a bubble you're living in. I mean, just why do you think we're going to be okay with paying full price for a game and getting ads regardless? I expect that out of a free-to-play model, I get it. You've got to make up your money somewhere. But but, but, uh, but we need money because games just aren't making... Uh... <sighs> yeah, it's getting, a, it's getting pretty gross at this point. This is why I don't, I don't even know if I can do AAA anymore, man. Like, it's just, dang. I mean... But the last little bit of news, just because it made me sad, Vampire the Masquerade 2 lost yet another narrative designer. (sighs) Kara Ellison, who was the senior narrative designer, has confirmed that she is no longer with Hardsuit Labs and is no longer contributing to the game. Hmm. Apparently, she left on her own decision, although no further details really were given as to why at the time of this recording, although... League of Geeks, who is the devs working on Armello, both League of Leagues and Ellison herself both announced that she has joined their team as senior narrative designer. So so this is just a few months after Hardsuit and Paradox fired the OG Bloodlines designer and creative director. Kind of losing faith that this game is ever even going to surface because you have a hardcore RPG, which is very narrative dependent, and your narrative people keep going away. And I guess I'm just going to have to wait until I legit see it released before I have faith that's even going to happen. <laughs> I'm so sad. It looks so close, too. Like when we're watching the trailers and stuff, and did. the online conventions this year. Ah, ah. So I don't know. So if you were excited like me, it, it just looks like this still going to be a very long ways out perhaps well i got a couple quickets all right what you got a couple quickets here uh let's see which one's most interesting i wrote a bunch of them down now but not all of them will probably be that interesting hideo kojima is officially staffing up for his next game okay it's pretty much all we know at this point, but hey, just so you know he's actively working on the next one so if you're a fan of his you could be excited uh, we got to see Tom Holland as Nathan Drake finally. We did. What you think? And what you think? I mean, I'm I'm digging it. I, d- yeah. I mean, I know I've expressed. I'm sure I've expressed some concerns in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's not about him. It's not about his acting. It's just it. It didn't translate in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I was yeah. just like Tom Holland, Nathan Drake. I just don't see it. I still don't. See it, see it, but seeing him in the garb and and just having a visual, 
I'm yeah. o- I'm I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah. And I mean it is supposed to be young Nathan Drake. Sure. I feel like Tom Holland has a personality for it. Yeah. I mean, I've really only ever seen him in two things, I'll be honest. Mm. Spider-Man and then be danged if I could remember the name of it now. He was in a movie with Robert Pattinson. Oh, the, on um, uh, Netflix? The yes. Deal with the Devil he, or something like that? Yeah, something like that. It did pretty good. I, this, Pattinson, too, by the way, because I think that's honestly the first movie I'd ever seen him in, if I'm being honest, because I never watched Twilight or any of those. Mm-hmm. Damn good actor, dude. He is. I think he gets a lot of flack because of the Twilight, but he's... He's a good actor. He just yeah. He's one of those people that got shoehorned into a a yep. box because of certain movies. Same with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, I'm not saying sure. that the Harry Potter movies are bad. I mean, they're actually. It's just how Hollywood good. operates for some reason that they just get you pinned into a a genre, a type, and it just they yeah. make it too hard for you to break out. But he's he's actually done. I applaud him for the choices he's made, Daniel Radcliffe, Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, I'm going to go as far away from this as possible into the most bizarre movies I can find. And that way, I've just scrubbed all that Harry Potter off. There you go. That way, you're not going to typecast me. probably double good reasons to scrub the Harry Potter off these days. Have you ever seen uh, Guns Akimbo? No, no, but I've heard I have to. Insane. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'll I'll put that on my list for tonight. Maybe mm-hmm. I ain't got nothing going on. I think it's on the but, uh, Amazon if you can find it. If you have okay. Amazon, I have prom. I have prom. Prom. <laughs> you have prom. Prime. Prom. It was at yeah. least when I watched it. Okay, it's probably still there. I know I've seen it flipping through one of the myriad of streaming services that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nolan North did visit the set. He did. That so maybe great. that's a little bit more faith in, in the whole project and everything. Did you get to um, see Mark Wahlberg's mustache? I didn't, no. But I have seen that that's pretty much, I guess you share the same sentiment as most people who have the apprehension with just him taking over the role. I'm still sitting here going, he's an actor, let him act. I'm going to wait until after I've seen it. I I understand the apprehension, though, but we've we've far too much in the past uh, tried to knock down an actor for a role that come to find out in the end, they actually really freaking nailed it. So I'm going to wait till then. And but I do understand the apprehension with having Marky Mark as Sully. Well, it's, I do. It's, it's I his, do. um, it's his track record. Let's just sure. put it that way. That's, that's yeah. why I think a lot of people are apprehensive because they're like, there are so many other actors that can nail this. Oh, and for sure. Yeah. This is the guy. Uh, we still, well, we hypothesized about this, that this was probably like his, all right, how about we give you this part then? Since mm-hmm. didn't he want to be Nathan? Yeah. I think yeah. So, so was, I think that was maybe like their piecemeal offering. Like, what if, I mean, I feel like we could have gone smaller, but you know, it could have, you know, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see and hear Sully coming out of him. But like you said, I'll give it, I'll, I'll wait. I just want to give it the, give it the chance and see. And then I'll, after I've seen it, then, then I'll, I'll make my final decision about, but yeah, he wouldn't have been my first choice if I was casting it in my head. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I figured you would like this and you've probably already seen it. We got the official trailer for Rambo in mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat this week. So... I feel like this would just be better coming from the Mortal Kombat expert of the two of us. What okay. did you think? What did you think? I mean, I liked a lot of the moves that they kind of put into place because, one, hearing Stallone. Yeah. It's it's already just a, a joy 
and it mm-hmm. just continues to push my hatred for the the Terminator. <laughs> the Terminator, yeah. But uh, I was also I was surprised they didn't do that. I'm surprised they didn't have the Terminator and uh, Rambo come face to face where you could actually see their interaction because every character has a different interaction when they mm-hmm. walk on the the screen together and whatever they say to one another. So I'm very interested to hear what Rambo has to say to RoboCop. And, Ooh, yeah, you know, I didn't think about things that. Things like that. But his moves are very uh, militant, mm-hmm. you know, because he has like, he got a little grenade, he plops it in the ground. Uh, he actually had like a, a crawl yeah. move, which I thought was kind of neat, uh, using his little Bowie knife. I, I liked the moves that I saw. I'm like, yeah, this feels very Rambo in some right. odd way. I don't know why, because it's Mortal Kombat, but it felt genuine to the character in some way if he was that agile <laughs> <laughs> there's that too <laughs> yeah and then of course he had i didn't expect like anything major from his fatality because it was just like what are you what are you gonna do that makes this seem rambo-esque and i was trying to remember because they did a fatality where he like did a throat rip and mm-hmm. i was like did he do that in a movie he he must have done that in a movie I don't remember. Probably. But yeah. it's been a while since I've I seen I probably it. only ever saw the first one, and that's been so long ago that it would mm-hmm. be like brand new all over again for right. me. So. But let's see how. New trailer for Little Nightmares 2 is released. Yeah, I wanted to I'm watch go that. go check that one didn't, out. Yeah. It looks like she doesn't have nearly as big of a character role in it, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. We'll see. I've been trying to keep my eye on it. Uh, let's see. We got a trailer this week for a documentary on video games, which mm-hmm. Stephen was showing me a little bit about. Uh, they claim to be the radical new documentary series that tells the complete story of arcades and their games from the early 1900s to today. And I love that they added and beyond. And beyond, yeah. Well, what was interesting about this one, because I've never seen this approach, though, is they are looking for support on Kickstarter, which was the... I, I've never seen a docu-series do that. I'm not saying they haven't. It would make sense that I guess that, you know, Kickstarter could be for whatever little project that you want to put out there. But they are looking to give a never-before-seen over a 100-year span of time uh, of the craft by interviewing developers, the players, and more detail about the history of all of uh, arcades and, and things of that nature. Apparently, people... People had watched a little bit of what they had filmed and was like, hey, I want to see more of that. So they're saying, hey, if you really do, you can go to arcadedocumentary.com right now for all the details and hit up support if you'd like. I don't know uh, it, it, what happens if they don't meet it, but um, if they'll just release the things that they've already I'm sure. gotten filmed or things of that nature. But hey, seems like we're getting a lot of really cool documentaries on gaming this year. I just hope that they don't uh, tread familiar ground. You know, that that was my only concern, because like when I was watching their trailer for it, I feel like we've just watched one, maybe even two documentaries that seem to kind of focus on the same thing. Now, I know mm -hmm. the Netflix docuseries was in chunks, you know, so it wasn't completely arcades, but, you know, they had uh, portions in there where they were talking about it. So. So, yeah, I'm kind of hoping it's not we're re-interviewing some of the same people we've already seen Mm. over this last year um and when you're saying over a hundred year span of time all right you know let's let's see who you got who you're talking to and everything like that so i really did get uh excited like i wanted to watch there's another one that's on uh i think it's cbs all access which okay i'm not paying for that (laughs) 
you know I'm, yeah no, like no. i did I, i've got the streaming services i've got and that's it right now <laughs> like when when covid kicked in and they were offering like a month free i did it just to watch picard and that's it and once i got done with it i was like well i'm done with this Yep. And I'll probably have to pick it up again when the show hits its second season. But beyond that, I just I have no use for it. So I might right. watch it at some point. But there's a show called Console Wars. And it supposedly focuses on the feud between Nintendo and Sega. And that Ooh, intrigued that me. That would be interesting. Yeah. But then I also kind of heard reviews saying that it felt very reminiscent of the Game Over or High Score uh, documentary. High score, okay. That it was treading very familiar ground. I'm like... But you're you're keeping it to one yeah. thing. How can you tread similar ground when you're focused on one thing? You have an opportunity to expand on that story, right? So I was I was I, really I disappointed because yeah, it was very superficially mentioned. You know, so we didn't have a whole documentary focusing on just how that all even came to be, or even just like even talking about the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Nintendo. I don't know how long that could even go on for, but even touching base a little bit on that would be more interesting to hear in greater detail than yeah. than what we know. If there is even greater detail that we don't know, and interview people who were were part of it, who saw right. the deals, yeah. and I mean, there's got to be stories. Got to oh, be for stories. sure. Gotta be, yeah. Hmm. See, now those would be interesting. Maybe, maybe we'll hear about it there. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, last little quick it here. Spider-Man Miles Morales showed off some more uh, stills from the game and suits this week over on PlayStation website. Uh, the Crimson Cowl mm-hmm. suit was shown off and the track, T-R-A-C-K as an acronym suit. Both look pretty sharp. Yeah. Crimson Cowl kind of had think? a... I guess it's it's reminiscent of the uh, Spider Verse suit in a in a manner of speaking, but also mm-hmm. kind of has the uh, aesthetic of Spider Gwen as she's okay. as she's affectionately known. So you kind of have this blend of both because I, I mean in the the Spider Verse animated movie, he kind of did the the hoodie and everything like that, mm-hmm. the shorts, and I know this is not that, but it in a way. Because you're Their going own with kind the hood and all that it, stuff. Maybe. So you're kind of putting a spin on it in a way to to ha- be reminiscent of that. But again, more maybe to Spotter Gwen than it is that. But yeah. it, it works. I like it. I think they're I think they're neat, you know, mm-hmm. for somebody who's like, I just, I play the ones that look fun. I'm not like hardcore of the series, you know, you get to swing around everything. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Everything else, man. I did get to, <laughs> I did see, and I'm sure this is exciting for some of us. I, I personally, it's. I guess I'll check it out at some mm-hmm. point. But right now, I can go either way. The apparently the suits that they're going to add to the Spider-Man remastered on PlayStation Five will come to PlayStation Four. So if you were oh, afraid that... you weren't going to get to see them, like the Amazing Spider-Man suit, it, they will be available there as well. So that's that's nice. There you go. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, PS5 faceplates are now ready for pre-order also. So if you didn't want white, you could get red or black or chrome or indigo blue. And there you go. You can pre-order and hopefully have it at the same time as your PS5. All right. Good. Good. Go. All right. Well, I got two truth or trash for you oh. before we kick it over to whatever headliner we've got. Even I'm excited, guys. I don't know what we're what we're talking about today. <laughs> All right, let's see for your truth or trash. Microsoft is working on VR capabilities for the Xbox Series X. True. 
that I can. I don't. I mean, I always feel like they should have, but I don't. I don't know to what capabilities, but considering the market is opening up, they would be foolish not to. You know, so what? and I always said because they had the better camera of the two, honestly. Mm-hmm. So not a surprise. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love. Didn't already. I know I'm not a, a an Xbox fan, but I would be interested to see what they do. Mm-hmm. You know what? What ha, like what would your approach be, headset wise, controller wise? Show me what you got. I'm right. curious. I still feel like they both got to work on that inside out tracking technology to really bring the console VR to uh, a bigger realization of what it could do. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they got the power now. The the wireless capabilities. In today's technology, it's there. We don't need wires, mm-hmm. and, right? And and work on the tracking system. Don't don't bring it out half cocked. Do it right. Make right. I mean, make it the most make it the headset that you want people to have, and that if you were looking at it, going, I'm not attached to anything. I can play however I want. Oh my god, I'm in it. There you mm-hmm. go. Boom, done. The yeah, eye, because I feel like they could even work that in tandem with the eye. They could somehow, yeah. Hmm. Or not the eye. They're not the eye. Um, um, oh my gosh. Complete brain leak right now. Anyway, Xbox's camera. Connect. The Jesus. connect. There we go. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> what the hell, man? Oof. All right. Well, the last truth or trash. Sucker Punch Studios is currently staffing to gear up for Ghost of Tsushima 2. Mm, I'm going to say trash. You're going to say trash. Not saying that the the game hasn't been a success, but something tells me that they might be um, reassessing. Maybe they're they're planning something else. Maybe they'll come back around to that, but mm-hmm. I just don't want them to... I'm hoping they're not just rushing into a sequel just because. Ubisoft. And that, <coughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Before we get into anything, I did I jotted yeah. down two little quickets that I just wanted to bring up. Uh-huh. They're nothing major, but I just thought mm-hmm. they were kind of fun. Uh, one, I heard that uh, PT is not going to be available to play on the PlayStation 5. I, I saw that and had no idea why the conversation was even happening. Like, it doesn't exist anymore. Well, like, why did you think it would? Because Well, because, <laughs> because some of us, like, I still have it on my PlayStation 4. I, can I play get it. that. Yeah. Yeah. But... Anyone who thought it was just going to roll over, come oh, on. Oh, okay. Come on. Yeah. You know, that was like, I mean, you're going to have to hang on to your PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. to keep that in your possession. Yep. And I, like everything else, it's just going to fade away at some point. It really well. It's so sad. But yeah. And lastly, I'm, I'd, I could give a shit about Call of Duty. I don't care about Call of Duty. I, w- I don't want to play Call of Duty. That's just it's not my bag. But they did have kind of this interesting, I don't know if you saw this trailer for their new Halloween zombies thing. Probably not. But Well, they, they almost hooked me in because the moment you throw in Leatherface, I'm kind of like, I'm intrigued. Oh, yeah. And they're just out there hunting. And then next thing you know, you hear something snap and... He's like, and then smacks somebody over the head. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Leatherface. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm excited. And, of course, they yeah. had uh, the Jigsaw puppet oh, running around. Yeah. So, neat, I guess. But I still won't play it. Right. But it was a hell of a trailer. I Like, it almost got me psyched. I was like, oh. 
if you could yeah. buy just the zombies instead of having to buy the whole game to get zombies, then maybe there you go. But then that probably means I might have to play with other people, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, know how. I don't know how the yeah. game plays. Well, if it play, I've only ever played one. And that was the one that Bruce Campbell, of course, was in the zombies add-on. So that's mm-hmm. why I got the whole freaking sure. thing. And it seemed like I remembered, like, it could be. Like, the hubs did play with me a couple times. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of like Left 4 Dead, where just AI takes over the extra characters for you. Uh, okay. Eh. In the zombies one, anyway. So I just... Because it, it wasn't, like, one of the BR versions of multiplayer. Yeah. I just don't know how much fun and enjoyment I would get out of it. Maybe it, like... If, if I have a friend who has it, let me play it for a moment. Let me see if I get any enjoyment out of it. And maybe I won't. Maybe it'll just be like, oh, look, there's Leatherface. Oh, he's chasing me with a chainsaw. Ah, oh, I'm dead. Ah, oh, wow. And then it's worn off. And I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yeah. that was fun for however long that took. Yeah. I don't know. And you know what? I'll, I'm going to say this. Anyone who doesn't know me, or maybe you do, like if I were to ask you right now, point blank, who... Do you think my favorite horror movie icon is? Just take a guess. Jason. See, you know me. You know me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so I know you pay attention. Yes. Okay. Leatherface is so close to being that character. Mm -hmm. But he only has, in my opinion, two good movies to his name. And the rest of them are shit. And anybody who disagrees, I mean, that's your opinion. But right. one and two, the very first two that were ever made, the only ones that I can really, really sit through. Part three, eh, I can I can watch it in the right mood. Mm-hmm. The Matthew McConaughey, Renee Zellweger debacle. Don't even get right. me started <laughs> on that. And then every other movie, they try. It's like they don't understand the core understanding of the character. And that's the, the mm-hmm. oddest part about it. And... I heard, and the only reason I'm even bringing this up is they're they're making another one, another one. Like really? this came out of the blue. I didn't even know this was even a conversation someone was having. Maybe because they wear a mask and it's the safest <laughs> safest option to make right, right? now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it was just out of the blue. It was like, by the way, uh, Legendary Pictures is is making a, a sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was like. Like, so which to which version though? To the original. They've done this already. Like the last one that came out that was called Texas Chainsaw 3D was yeah. technically a follow-up to the first one. Like they said, okay, well uh, that happened. And then uh-huh. uh the police came right after and uh-huh. and found the family and then they all got busted or whatever, but they never found Leatherface, and then somehow time happened, but we're not really sure how long it's been because it seemed modern, but if you do the time, you know, the math in your head is like, that was 1973, and if this is supposed to be current day, somewhere in the 2000s, 2010, Leatherface would be old. Like, yeah. in his 60s, old, and yet he seems like in his prime. Well, to be fair, Jason seems to never age either. <laughs> but, but Jason... <laughs> not at all. Just very nimble, takes way more beating the older he gets. But Jason... <laughs> If you do the math on that, mm-hmm. it adds up. And okay. and after part four, he's he's undead anyway, so it doesn't matter. Leather Leatherface right. is just a cannibal with a right. dead skin on his face. So he, he's gonna have to age. 
Right. And so the math didn't add up. So you're not really sure how long it's been, even though it seems modern. But they're like, but no, no, no. It's only been a couple. Maybe of- the twist at the end is it's Leatherface's baby. He had a family. <laughs> well, that w- he loves. <laughs> now there's more than parts. one of them after you. <laughs> but it. I don't know. They're doing it again. They're saying, oh, yeah, this is going to be a sequel to the, the, the original film. I was like, why? Why? Why do we have to even hang on to that one little... Just... It, I don't know. It, it don't angers know. me because it's been done so wrong so many times that every time someone is yet again saying, well, I'm going to do it, it's just like, Jesus Christ, just stop. It's not been done wrong this way yet, though. Just <laughs> And and maybe this could this could be the one to turn it around, but when you've got more... Failures than success is why I'm I'm struggling with it. You better have some really big idea. I th- but again, like I said, I think people don't understand the core of the of the character in the film itself. Like it really mm-hmm. wasn't uh, technically about him. He just happened to be the one uh, antagonist that got mm-hmm. focused on. Kind of like Hellraiser. Pinhead wasn't necessarily the main focus of those movies. He's just the one that everyone gravitated to because he was the most fascinating to look at and you wanted Mm. to know more about that character. I think that's the same with Leatherface. He wasn't the primary focus. He was the chainsaw killer, but there Mm. were other more important characters that we had to focus on. And, believe it or not, it's kind of a black comedy in the weirdest possible sense. It really is. So, you know. Uh Uh-huh. Well... Maybe in a year or two we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. How long it'll take them. I don't know. I'm just I'm not I'm not thrilled about it. But yeah, I like the character. It's just I, I Jason will always have my number one slot because he doesn't have a track record. <laughs> right. And and again, that's even debatable for whomever. That's your choice. I'm sure. Yeah, for everybody. Mm. Just my opinion. But anyway. Do you uh, do you want me to tell you a story? Please. Because, uh, yeah, you don't even know what the headliner is. I didn't even think about Not that. Not even a little bit. I yeah, didn't tell I'm, you. I'm just it. as in the dark as all the listeners right now. Well, uh, our headliner this week is actually coming from a suggestion. And it's funny. Okay. Ironically, we were talking about uh, podcasters <laughs> early on and, and mm-hmm. that, that symbiotic relationship. Well, I had mentioned a few episodes back about a podcaster, Tim McMullen Condo. Uh, he has a pod, or podcast with his brother, two brothers, one pilot, where they talk about the, the they watch a pilot to a TV show right. and then kind of give a review on it and decide if that's something they want to continue watching. Uh, so when we actually met or, you know, met through mm-hmm. social whatever media, that means, whatever that days. means, <laughs> uh, we, we kind of discussed our respective shows like, hey, what do you do? And it's like, hey, what do you do? And we were just kind of talking about it. And when I mentioned that we talked about video games, he mentioned a love for Mario Kart and asked if that was something we'd ever talked about. And I said, well, not really. You know, I mean, we've mentioned it in passing here and there, but we never really did a conversation at length about Mario Kart. So Mm -hmm. that got me thinking, why don't we? Let's let's dig into the history of one of the most beloved franchises Nintendo has, which is Let's Mario Kart. Yeah. Because I, I honestly would have to say I wasn't 100% sure where the idea even spawned from, how it became what it became, 
So yeah. it was kind of a fascinating rabbit hole to go down. Let, let me let me help you feel old if you don't already. Um, oh, please. Super Mario Kart, the original Super Nintendo classic, is two years shy of being 30 years old. <gasps> if you can say, which I know we both can, that we are older than Mario Kart. Yeah. You're gonna feel old right now. I gotta do the listeners one better. Older than The Simpsons. What? What? Yep. What? Yep. I'm there. <laughs> hey, are we older than Super Mario Brothers? Actually, I don't know. You might be on the cusp. 85? I think I might be. 85? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to take that as a yeah. Of course you are. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, the game released in 1992 and was an instant success. Uh, it laid the basic groundwork of the series, one that has seen numerous additions and tweaks throughout its multiple sequels. Can you imagine there are eight, nine games in the oh, series? Oh, wow. Yeah. No. I think eight. I want to say eight, but nine. For some reason, but I also forget nine. about all the handheld versions of things that have come out for Nintendo too. Mm-hmm. That kind of throws me off. Sure. Uh, one thing the game has never done, the series, I guess, has never done, is it's never forgotten the core of what made the game. Mm-hmm. But do you think the idea of Mario Kart just popped into someone's head one day? Do Do you think that's what it was? Like, hey, let's make a racing game, but with Mario. I mean, it very well could have been, but something tells me it was probably like they were trying to do something else and they came across like, oh wait. Yeah. The the this idea could work for this. The idea yeah. is definitely a lot more complex than just making a racing game with Mario because like most great ideas, it's not always that simple. Now, in 1990, at the launch of the Super Nintendo, Shigeru Miyamoto had developed a revolutionary racing game known as F-Zero. Do you remember that one? I do. I had it on the uh, Nintendo 64. I love the crap out of that Mm. game. (laughs) What made it revolutionary was its use of graphics known as Mode 7. This allowed background layers to be rotated and scaled on a scan line by scan line basis to create a ver- variety of effects. So if you pay attention to the way that game operated, it I mean you yeah. weren't really control I mean you were kind of controlling the car but everything was moving around and you had to kind of take right. control it in that in that sliding regard. all through. Yeah. Now F0 brought forth a new approach to racing which inspired numerous other racers in the process as it always does. But not Mario Kart, at least not in the way that you might be assuming. Now, F-Zero's success led Miyamoto and his team on a quest to produce a racing game that would feature two-player racing on the same screen. F-Zero was only a single-player game, and the idea of a two-player game sharing the same screen does seem very quaint by today's standards. Right. But with that technology, it was something that was impossible at the time. Like, they hadn't quite figured out how do you do that with two screens. These things have to start somewhere. In fact, think sure. about that. Before, I hadn't really thought about it when I was looking this up, but I don't remember there being two-player 
split screen prior to Mario Kart. No, what? No, it was always like we were sharing the same screen yeah. and you both had to move at the same time to get it to progress to the right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, now that you now that I'm trying to think of all the Nintendo stuff that I play growing up with friends, yeah, I feel like it was always that or you took turns. Yeah, or you took turns. Yeah. Wow. Well, to test out the plausibility of this idea, the team started small. The prototype that they developed was nothing more than a little generic cart racer. Had a small track, very generic character inside the cart, and it would just go around the track and go around the track, and then they put another one in there, and it's just, they're just driving around. They're not doing anything. They're not racing. They're just driving around. Now, according to Miyamoto, the team thought it looked really neat if you stopped one cart and looked at the other one fly by. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that look whatever that was to them at the time, whatever they were looking at, it just looked really neat. And they're like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. And they said, well, what if, what if uh, we put Mario in one of those carts flying by and see what that would look like? Mm-hmm. Because that would, just, just to see. Just to see, yeah. And they did. And he flew by. And everyone agreed that was so much better, so much more satisfying and they're just like, well, let's let's put more in. Let's do more. Let's see see how all that looks. And in that moment, Mario Kart was born. Oh wow! So as development progressed, he was just a testing pond. Yeah, eh? just a testing <laughs> pond. And then it just got the motor going. No pun intended. And then they just took off. Development progressed. Additional characters from previous Mario games were added to the racing roster, some actually becoming playable characters for the first time. Because when do you ever remember playing Bowser before uh, Mario Kart? True. Or a Koopa yeah. Troopa. Or... No. Yeah. <laughs> Just leave it there. Yeah. I was trying to think. I was like, Mario, Luigi, Princess, and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toad. Oh, yeah. Donkey Kong Jr. was obviously in his own game. Which, funny mm-hmm. enough, this was probably his uh, his last appearance ever. Aww. Because, hypothetically, I feel like this is true. I don't give a shit what Nintendo says. <laughs> Donkey Kong, in his uh-huh. current form that we see him in in the games, with the tie and everything like that, that's right. Donkey Kong Jr. That's the little guy uh, in diapers. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cranky Kong... Is the original Donkey Kong. Because... And Nintendo's trying to say it ain't. There have been this... These nonsensical... No, 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 no. No, no, no. You know, like they just... <laughs> even though when you listen to Cranky talk... In fact, look at look at the beginning of Donkey Kong Country. He's standing right on top of the, the, the old structure from the games. Cranky is. And then the... the kid comes in and knocks him off and then just starts doing his little dance or whatever <coughs> Nintendo what you trying to pull here man and they and he complains about the old days back in my day we didn't have all these fancy graphics <laughs> it's it's I don't know maybe maybe I, I just remember hearing there were shady reports where there's like mm, like they don't want to put anything in stone like the Zelda storylines like dude just come on just, just, yeah. Make it. Why is make this it hard? Thin. Why is this right. hard? It's all there. 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, utilizing the Mode 7 graphics with the digital signal processor chip, it helped create a three-dimensional look of the game with a solid racing aesthetic. Unlike F-Zero, the method in which many of the games at the time were created, in which the character remained in a fixed state, while the player essentially controls the environment. So if you remember Mario Kart, you were kind of static, but then everything okay. else yeah. kind of worked around you a little Maybe bit. So. Maybe. Probably wasn't thinking about it at the time, mm-hmm. though, because your brain's thinking, yeah, I'm totally controlling the car. Yeah, but something to think about. Uh, the use of the DSP provided greater control of floating point calculations to assist the third dimensional algorithms. There's a lot of science for you if you were kind of curious about the mode 7 and how all that works. Now, to give the game a unique flavor outside of general racing, you had power ups and coins added to the game, creating a genuine sense of uncertainty. Coins acted as a damage buffer for the most part, preventing players from spinning out if they had coins which i never really realized at the time but then i started thinking about it. i was like yeah because if you got hit you saw the coins flip out all fly out yeah. and then if you actually got hit hit then you'd spin out mm-hmm. you know, like that so I, I i don't know why that never connected those dots but in regards to items you had red and green shells banana peels mushrooms and invincible stars enough of these items were you know Good starting points. Uh, pretty common as the games progressed. Uh, Mario-themed items as they were, banana peels being the exception, no doubt to accommodate the one-time racer Donkey Kong Jr. or vice versa. However you want to look at it. Fun fact about items, though, and, and this just makes you mad. <laughs> oh, yeah? Apparently... CPU-controlled versions of Mario and Luigi have a secret Starman in their inventory ready to whip it out when you're pulling ahead in victory. Rude. Yeah, but it makes sense now. Like, anytime they just show up on you with their star and you're like, how the... Come on, man. It's because they always got one. Maybe you got to trick it out of them early. Bullshit. Kind of like that <laughs> that blue shell nonsense. We know all about that. Mm-hmm. But hey, blue shell was not in this particular version. That didn't get introduced yeah. until the next game. So there you go. It wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't always there, but second time they were just like, no, no, no. We got we really have to screw with the players. What are we gonna do? A blue shell that will track your ass down. So. <laughs> So what do you got to say about that one? <laughs> the original Super Mario Kart sold over 8 million copies worldwide, was the fourth best-selling game on the Super Nintendo. It makes sense that Nintendo would continue the franchise, work to improve their formula, adding new tracks, characters, items, and even new mechanics to subsequent games. They even recycled some old familiar favorites, Uh, into some of the newer games, which I thought was kind of neat, so you can kind of see it in a new light. The series has been on home consoles, handheld devices, arcade machines, VR arcade machines, mobile devices, and now, even now, augmented reality. 
Wow. You've seen those, Damn. haven't you? The little yeah. carts and everything. So it's, oh, it's, it looks like they're in their living room or something. Mm -hmm. like and you that. create yeah. your track and you just do your racing. So the big question I have to ask, and I feel it's worth exploring, is why has this franchise been such, such a success while many others that have attempted to copy it have failed? Because this is not the only racer. You know, right. we have seen time and again several imitations. Sonic Team Racing, Crash Bandicoot Racing. There was a South Park racer early on back <laughs> when that was kicking off. There have been racing games featuring characters. Diddy Kong Racing. That was just another one that popped in my head. Oh, yeah. All these racer games featuring all these different characters from games because they thought, hey, we'll just cram them all together and that's really cool. And there's racing games now. Mm -hmm. You'd think it would be a very simple task to just do what someone's done, put your characters in it, and just create a fun racing game. But it doesn't seem to work. And it's always been fascinating to me because if you read reviews for every one of these other games, they're never universally loved like this. The the Crash Bandicoot one, maybe, but I don't know that yeah. for sure. I have heard a, a kind of a nice, oh, yeah, I like playing that or whatever. But, mm -hmm. again, there's only been one, and <laughs> it's not Mario Kart-level franchise. Sure. So you take what works, you insert new characters, but I think what it comes down to is the sheer audacity that these people have, these developers have, in changing what works. The formula in which they have set in motion. And that's why some of these knockoffs never succeed, because they change something fundamental from the game. And then it just feels wrong. Like, I, I feel like in Diddy Kong Racing... They added flying races, like in airplanes and stuff like that. I never played it, so I'm not sure. It's It's been a long time. I could be speaking yeah. way out of turn, but I felt like there was flying. So it wasn't racing anymore. We're, you're racing around an airplane in one level, and it's just like, why am I doing this? This is not racing. This is flying. It's racing yeah. in, in an airplane, but it's... You're still trying to go fast. Yeah, this is not kart plane. racing. This is not what I signed up for. So... Maybe in an attempt to try and be different, it just alienated everybody. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. You can't... Like, the formula just worked too well that they were... Well, maybe they were trying to change that core thing, and it never occurred to them to make it, a, you know, their own in a different way. Right. To You can't try to be original and play copycat at the same time. you got to pick one or the other. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what disrupted this whole method that they had, and it just turned people away. Ironically... Nintendo is stuck with the tried-and-true method with minor alterations, whether it be new uh, tracks. I mean, when you go from Super Nintendo to N64, it's really just a graphic uh, scenario. They mm -hmm. tweaked a few things here and there just to kind of fit that and said, okay, well, it's Mario Kart, but 64-bit. Right. Okay, cool. Still cartridges. Yeah. yeah, but then eventually you have to continue, okay, well, what do we do to make this fresh? What do we do to make this fresh? Even when you get... Getting into, I'm going to say Mario Kart 8. I could be wrong. I'm just, yeah. I don't know. The most recent one on the Switch. You've got 
new characters, even the way you play the game is different. Mm-hmm. You select your character, then you select your cart. So you, you're not bound to one cart type with each character. Now you can have whatever character you want and then match it with whatever cart you want and just, nice. you know, yeah. make it your own, which I feel is so much better because maybe I love Bowser, but I don't like his slow-moving ass, you know, yeah. cart. Even though it can get really fast, I just don't like that slow-moving thing. I want to kind of get going. I want to move. I want to move. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have to worry about that. I can pick him and get whatever cart I want. Nice. You know? Yeah. So it's. I think that's a perfect way to enhance what's already been done because you're still giving people what they want but now you're giving them a way to mix it up you're giving them fan service in the best possible way you have all these characters you could have link now which is insane the characters (laughs) from splatoon or Mm -hmm. animal crossing (coughs) so now it becomes nintendo racing than it does yeah you know mario kart but yeah that pretty much is it right it's like if nintendo had a character but that's, that's actually a smart way to do it. Don't try to say, okay, well, hey, Mario Kart is going to now be Nintendo Kart. No, no, no. Nah. It, just keep it leave as Mario Leave its roots Kart. where it was. Yeah, yeah. Leave that's it as Mario That's where it started. Kart. And then you can yeah. just add whoever you want in. I mean, hell, they could it could be the Smash Brothers of racing if they wanted to do it that, that way. I mean, kind of. Throw whoever you want in there. Why not? Yeah. Pac-Man. Why not? Why not? Sonic can come race in, a, in an actual good racing game if he wanted there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. So, even even with all these minor alterations, even though they've done the tried and true method, they have been criticized for it being repetitious. But why change things when it works? Mm-hmm. It's, it's and y'all are still buying it. Yeah, so. clearly the failures that it has uh, has been successful for Nintendo. It's mm-hmm. still the best-selling racing game they have. It's still a massive success, mm-hmm. critically acclaimed, despite, you know, eh, it's still more of the same. Yeah, but you still like it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still yeah. like it. You still want that other character. So why would Nintendo rock the boat? You know, if this is working, why? It works. It's fine. Mm-hmm. They updated it as a... Uh... Well, I guess their hardware allows. Sure. So I think until the series becomes a commercial failure in one of its iterations, uh, one can't really blame Nintendo for not trying to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Because that wheel is uh, it's turning pretty good for them. Yeah, it is. Still going fast. But yeah, it's, it's fascinating to think that something as iconic as this, no one has been able to replicate in some way. And I've always found that to be just, it's interesting. It could be a lot of nostalgia factor, too, because, you know, we're comfortable with Mario. Mm. We know that that's the formula. We know that they're already going to bring us a quality racing game. They've got those, you know, they've earned those stripes over the years. Mm. Humans are pretty brand loyal sometimes, you know, when it comes down to it. They'll try the other stuff, but... It's just that just enough is different, and you want exactly how it got set up in the other, and it just can't quite scratch that itch. That's true. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, there you go, people. There's you a history of Mario Kart. It's brief, but uh, maybe you learned a little something you didn't know. Exactly. Like, Mario was just supposed to be the model. Who would have thought? Yeah. You You just (laughs) 
sure happenstance that he happened to be there. I'm like, just stick Mario in there and see what happens. Right? Could have been anybody. Yeah. I feel like some of the best ideas were, were by accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you that's know? that's what makes them better for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you take a look at movies that are highly revered, and then you hear some of the, the issues that they've had, Jaws being the prime example. Shark doesn't work, but it's so much better because it didn't. Yeah. It really is. I don't care what anyone says. Teach their own. But no, that was fun. Thanks a lot. I feel like I wish I would have played more Mario Kart over the years. Eh. I know I've played a couple versions of it, but you definitely not tried and true faithful every single series nah. or iteration in it. It's fine. I I feel like that I've probably missed some because I know there were some on Game Boy, I think. That's know. where I probably get a lot of the missing ones because I've only had a handful of handhelds <laughs> over the years. Like I know we had Game Boy, the original, mm. and honestly, I don't remember ever getting another handheld that I can think of until we got the Switch, which kind of does both. Mm-hmm. I've been mostly PC and console, you know. I never played on the go. Yeah. So that's the show. That's the show. That's the show, guys. You can uh, hit us up sometime on Twitter at Super Mega Crash or send an email at supermegacrash at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram to view the weekly icon arts. Stephen puts his time and love into the Mega Man ones were fun. And they were fun. You should go check those out, guys. You can support the show by liking and leaving reviews on your preferred platform and even going to patreon.com forward slash pencil and paper productions. You can tell your friends to find us on the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network, or you can search Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo, found on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, and YouTube.com forward slash Pencil Paper Productions, like everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere you want to listen. And thank you for doing so. Thanks so much for listening. I am Lacey O'Finley. And I am Stephen White. And you can join us again next time, Super Mega Crash siblings. But until then... Game on! This has been a Pencil and Paper Podcast Network production.